You're listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast, where together we thrive in life by using our faith to find strength, direction, and purpose. Full of wit, wisdom, and a little grit and grace, Cubicles in Christ provides the inspiration you need to be strong and spiritually authentic in all you do. And now, your host, author, speaker, certified executive coach, Kelly Johnson. I recently had the privilege of being the guest speaker for a family reunion. To be honest, I was a little taken by surprise because I'm normally asked to speak at leadership conferences, ministry-related conferences about faith and work integration. And so this was the first setting where I was asked to talk about the family. And I didn't take it lightly. It was very important to me to have a message that really resonated with the attendees of this family reunion. And as I prayed about what the Lord would have me to say, I ultimately thought it would be important to share it with the entire Cubicles in Christ audience. So here you go. Tune in and let me know what you think. Fast forward 50 or 100 years from now, what will the family history books say about you? And what will they say about me? What will our families write about our generation? I think there is a universal belief that family is super important to just about everyone. Whenever I ask someone what is the most important thing to them in life, family is almost always the number one answer, and rightfully so. Today, I want to challenge all of us to think more deeply about our families. I want us to go beyond the day-to-day providing for our families, the day-to-day hug, the day-to-day question of how was your day today, the normal running the kids or grandkids around to their next activity, or even planning the next family vacation. Today, I want to talk about how we can treasure our families on a heavenly level. But first, let's look at that word treasure. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, this passage of scripture is often used in context of money and material possessions, right? But what if we applied it to the treasure of family? If your day-to-day life is anything like my family's, it's crazy. We are busy and constantly on the go. And it can become really easy to dismiss or ignore those important moments in life that we really should treasure. How do we know if we treasure something? I think there's usually two pretty good indicators. So the first one is our calendars, and the second is our bank accounts. (laughs) But when it comes to family, I think the most important indicator 
of how we treasure our families is how we spend our time. Why? Because kids and are always expensive and there's always going to be a cousin, a sister, an uncle, whoever that needs a little bit of financial support. So I don't necessarily think looking at our checking account to determine if we treasure family is a really good indicator. Today, we're going to think about this on the heart level and the heavenly level. Let's look at two families in the Bible. One family treasured each other on a heavenly level and the other did not. So the first family we're going to look at is Eli's family. Eli is a high priest and he's famous in the Bible in relation to Hannah. So we usually think about Eli in terms of how he blessed Hannah and her prayers for a child. If we look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, we learn about Eli's family. So this is after he's blessed Hannah. Then the story unfolds of Eli's family. Eli had two sons. I'm going to call them thug number one and thug number two. They did the dirty on the regular. Eli's sons stole from the offering plate and they would mess around with the young tenderonies. Translation, they liked the ladies and they liked money. Now, I know our children are the apple of our eye and they're such sweet little angels who would never do anything wrong. But, you know, sometimes we have to be really honest about our children's areas for growth and correction and even discipline. In verse 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, we learn that Eli was actually getting reports about his son's dirty deeds. So he couldn't play ignorant. People were literally coming to Eli, the high priest, and telling him that his children, his sons, were up to no good. What did Eli do about it? Well, he had a conversation. He did talk to them about, about their behavior, but he did not discipline them or hold them accountable. There were some pretty serious consequences to Eli's lack of accountability with his family. And in fact, Eli's lack of treasuring his family on a heavenly level, well, it actually got heaven's attention, but not in a good way. God literally sent someone to Eli to send him a warning. And we see that in 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 31, it says, The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. That is pretty heavy. Look at that last sentence or the last part of that passage. Because of Eli's lack of accountability and discipline with his own children, his entire family is going to suffer. Scripture says, and this isn't Kelly making it up, Scripture says all the members of your family, not just Eli and his sons, but his entire family would live a short life. They would not reach old age. Now, I know this feels super harsh, but again, please don't shoot the messenger. I didn't write the Bible. But this is an example of what could happen if we don't address the mess in our families, which brings me to my first point today on how to treasure our families on a heavenly level. 
Number one, if we want to treasure our families on a heavenly level, we first have to address the mess. Families can be messy and dysfunctional. Let's be honest. Sometimes we hold grudges towards each other. We say and we do things that we know are not right. And there is a consequence to that. But I want us to look at what is promised to us in scripture when we do do the right things, when we do treasure our families on a heavenly level. And we find just one example of that in Psalms 103, verses 17 through 18. And it says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. As parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, our righteousness, our conduct, our our hearts, when we do what God's word says, our children benefit by receiving God's love and mercy. When we address the mess in our families, we definitely want to do so with a spirit of love and forgiveness. We don't want to come from a place of condemnation. But it's important that we understand that addressing the mess and a part of love is holding each other accountable. I want to share a story with you. When I was in college, I had a little bit of a spending problem. My mother would send me a monthly allowance and I would blow through the money so quickly she would have to send me more money so that I could make it through the rest of the month. Back then, I wanted a new new outfit every week to wear to a party. (laughs) And after a year or so of this, my mother cut me off financially like completely, like all the money dried up. She, she just stopped sending me money. And at the time I was not happy at all. I was not happy with her. I was not happy with her decision, but I can tell you it taught me a super valuable lesson. And I'm so glad she showed me that tough love back then. My mother forced me to address my mess. She stopped bailing me out whenever I overspent. It took me years to get out of debt, but that experience was necessary. Is there an issue going on in your family that has not been addressed? It's like a huge pink elephant in the room, right? Everyone sees it. Everyone knows about it, but no one is talking about it. Is there an issue of drinking in your family that hasn't been addressed? What about the affair? What about that deep, dark family secret? Or maybe there's someone in your family who is chronically lazy, someone who's jealous, envious, someone who gossips. How healthy is your family right now? Or have you just lost hope and come to believe that your family is always going to be this way? If the Holy Spirit is bringing something to your attention right now, I really want to encourage you to lean into whatever he's saying to you. Ask him to give you wisdom and courage to address the mess in your family. Now, let's look at a different family, one where they actually valued each other and treasured each other on a heavenly level. It's the story of Cornelius, a Roman officer 
In Acts chapter 10, verse 2, Scripture describes Cornelius as a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly, regularly to God. Say that fast, right? Cornelius was such a good, God-fearing man. He was clearly a prayer warrior, and he did great things for those who were in need. That brings me to my second point. Treasuring your family on a heavenly level involves service to others. Cornelius and his family gave to the poor. So what did Eli's family do on the flip side of that? In a family where they did not treasure each other on a heavenly level, like Eli's, his sons actually stole from people's offerings to God. I want to share a story about service to others in my family. When we were growing up, we didn't have much. There were some Christmas times when we didn't get much, and there were times when we didn't know what or how we would eat dinner. I remember one Christmas, and back then at this time, we were doing okay. We weren't rolling in the dough. We weren't living the extravagant life, but we were okay. My mother had this grandiose idea that we would adopt a family in need during the holidays. We bought groceries for Christmas dinner, and we purchased a gift for each member of that family that we adopted. After all the goodies were delivered to the family, I remember when we were all back together at home, my mother asked how we all felt, how me and my siblings all felt about what we did. I remember smiling and nodding my head on the outside, but inside I was thinking, what? We're like barely making it, and we just spent all that mon money on another family. Clearly, my heart was not in the right place back then, but I can tell you that that experience planted a seed that would later grow. Everything that we do with our families, even if at the time it's met with resistance or a bad attitude, I want to encourage us to keep doing it. It's okay if sometimes we are the bad guy in the family. It's okay if our families don't always agree or jump up and cheer with the things that we ask them to do because the payoff is long-term. The results are long-term. And I can tell you that it comes full circle. For the last several years, our family has sponsored a couple of children internationally. One is in Uganda and the other is in South America. After I lost my job in 2015 and I started my business, there were times when our financial situation looked very uncertain. But, you know, we never canceled our sponsorship of these children, even though the thought crossed my mind a few times. It was, it was tempting. But, you know, I had experience in terms of what it was like to give to others not just from abundance, a place of abundance, not just from the overflow, but to give even when it means you might have to tighten your own belt at home a little bit more. And so I'm thankful to my mother for that example and how it was able to come full circle. I was able to pay it forward even in my own family's life as an adult. Cornelius's family served others as well. And his efforts caught the eye of God. It got his attention. God sent an angel to Cornelius with a special message. 
And that message was for Cornelius to invite Simon Peter to his home. Meanwhile, God was working on Peter's heart. So God was telling Peter to get ready. Meanwhile, God was speaking to Peter's heart and literally prepared him in advance for Cornelius's invitation. Now, it's a little complicated, and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but there was a reason that God had to prepare Peter's heart for Cornelius's invitation. Peter was Jewish. Cornelius was not. He was Roman. And it was very taboo. It was not done for Jewish people to associate or interact with those who were not Jewish. And so God showed Peter in advance that that's not his vision for his kingdom, for Jews and Gentiles to be separate. So that's a big kind of theological lesson. I'm not going to go into that right now, but you can read it and for yourself and um, get more context. So let's go back to Peter and Cornelius. So Peter comes to Cornelius's house and in verse 24, we see that Cornelius had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius included his entire family and friends in what unfolds. He didn't just make it about himself. And I think this is an important detail. And my next point about how to truly treasure our families on a heavenly level. My point number three is that it's not just about us. Our relationship with the Lord is individual, but it's also collective. We should involve our families and our household in the daily practice of our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Scripture says, Cornelius was a devout and God-fearing man, as was his entire household. The characteristic of being devout and God-fearing did not stop with just Cornelius. Even his servants were described as devout. And I just think that's so amazing. Sometimes it's easy to focus only on our our spiritual walk, like our individual spiritual walk. And while we should absolutely make it a priority to have our personal relationship with the Lord in order, especially before we go and kind of address someone else's spiritual walk, but we also have to bring our families along that journey with us. We don't need to wait for perfection in our own lives because it's never going to happen. But more importantly, we should bring them with us on that journey in a loving and supportive way. No man, woman, or child should be left behind in your family. If there is someone in your family where you're not quite sure where they are spiritually, I hope alarm bells are ringing right now in your mind. We cannot afford to leave anyone behind spiritually. And Cornelius is such a beautiful and vivid example of how he did include everyone. He even included friends. So let's continue on. Peter comes to Cornelius's house and he tells Cornelius and his family and friends the the whole story of Jesus, basically the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And he explains that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Keep in mind, Cornelius was Roman. He was a God-fearing man, but because he was not Jewish, he didn't know about Jesus. He didn't know about everything that happened with the crucifixion and the resurrection. So after Peter shares the gospel of Jesus, I want us to look at what scripture says happened next. This is amazing. In Matthew 6, starting at verse 46, it says, Even as Peter was saying these things, telling the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit 
fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So there was evidence that the Holy Spirit had come upon Cornelius and his household. That evidence was speaking in tongues and praising God. After all of this happened, Cornelius and his family were baptized, water baptism. It's actually reported by theologians that Cornelius and his family were the first non-Jews, non-Jewish people to receive the Holy Spirit and convert to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? This is the kind of family treasure that is truly stored in heaven. It's life-changing here on earth right now, but it also has beautiful eternal consequences. What kind of legacy are you going to leave in your family, in your community? Leaving money to our children and our grandchildren, like that's gravy, that's awesome. And I'm sure they will highly, highly appreciate it. Passing along family recipes and traditions, that's great too. That's golden. Everybody needs those family recipes. Who's going to do the sweet potatoes? Who's going to do the collard greens? Who's going to do whatever? That's all wonderful and, and important. But I want us to go deeper and I want us to think about our spiritual treasure that we leave behind to our families. And I want to close with the verse from Genesis chapter 18, because I think it highlights so beautifully our responsibility as believers, our responsibility to our families. In verse 19, it says, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. How are you guiding your family to keep the way of the Lord? This is not about nagging our children or our relatives to death. It's also not about being judgmental and holier than thou. If we truly want to treasure our families, the best way we can do that is on our knees in prayer. It's about being a spiritual role model. Will the nieces and nephews look up to you and your family because of your financial accomplishments or accolades, trophies and titles are nice, but our families will remember most how we treated them and how we made them feel long after we are gone. My prayer is that we all embrace to a greater degree, a greater level, Jesus as the silent member of our families. When we truly tap into our position in the family of Jesus, our family legacies will flourish beyond belief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we thank you that you are the ultimate example of parenthood. Lord, you are the great shepherd. You never leave a sheep unattended. You always go after the one. You'll leave 99 sheep to go after the one. Lord, help us to do that in our own families. Whoever might be a lost sheep in our family, Lord, give us the wisdom, give us the discernment to know who is straying away from the fold, who's straying away from the protection of the family. Help us to open our eyes and see our loved ones who are at risk, those who might be dealing with depression, battling thoughts of suicide. Lord, help us to know, help us to reach them, Father. Lord, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for everything that we need. And right now, Holy Spirit, 
we lift up our families to you. Lord, we ask for your grace. We ask for your protection. We ask for your covering. But Lord, we ask for you. We ask that you be the Lord of our families, that you reign and rule in our families. Lord, we know that you don't reign with an iron fist. You lead with love in all that you do, and we ask you to help us to do that. But we also ask you, Lord, for the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to address the mess, to address the dysfunction in our families. Jesus, you were an example of that when people were selling in the temple. You addressed that mess. Help us, Lord, to address the mess in our own families, but show us how to do it, Lord. We need you, Father. We need you to show us how to involve our families every single day in the practice of our faith, in our worship of you, in our uh, pursuit of knowledge of you, Father. But Lord, help us to be role models to our families. We know our children are watching, our nieces, our nephews, our cousins, our relatives are watching, our neighbors are watching, our coworkers are watching. Help us, Lord, to walk in righteousness Help us, Lord, to be the light to someone else's darkness, Father. But first, Lord, we know that we need you to shine your light in us. Lord, we need you to renew our minds and transform our thinking. Help us to put away old ways. Help us to put away old thoughts. Help us to put away old habits and mindsets, Father, so that we can experience more of you. And as you begin to transform us and to do a great work in us, Lord, I pray that you help us to share it with others. Lord, you are our strength like no other, and we thank you for it. We thank you for our families. We ask you to bless our families, bless the, the health of our loved ones. Lord, bless every need in every family, Lord. You know what they are. Lord, we pray that you begin to break generational strongholds, Father, things that haven't been ever talked about, that have never been mentioned, Lord. I pray that you speak life into every family. Lord, we know that nothing is too hard for you. We know that you can redeem time. We know that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And you said that all things work together for our good for those who love you, and for those who are called according to your uh, purposes. So grant us, Holy Spirit, wisdom. Give us grace. Give us what we need, Father, to treasure our families on a heavenly level. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, and we thank you, Lord. Amen. I pray that this topic was a blessing to you. I invite you to share your comments and to write a review about Cubicles in Christ. Our goal is to reach the world, and you can help us do that by supporting this ministry, but also by sharing this episode with your friends, your family members, and your coworkers. God bless you and hope to see you inside the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Cubicles in Christ podcast. The inspiration and wisdom doesn't stop here. Join the Cubicles in Christ community on Facebook and let's keep the conversation going. For more ways to feed your soul and walk in purpose, connect with Kelly at IamKellyJohnson.com and follow her on Facebook and Instagram.